0: Uh, This is Lee Brainerd with Sooth Keep. Our guest tonight is Pete Garcia from Rev310.net. If you can hear us, folks, please give us a thumbs up. If you can see us, give us a thumbs up. Anyway, tonight we're going to be covering the Rapture Window, a subject that uh, Pete and Tyler have covered and a subject that I've covered in the past. I think it merits a revisit tonight. And there's nobody on the planet I'd rather do this subject with than Brother Pete. Looks like we have a ton of thumbs up. So we are ready to rock and roll. All right, folks, just just as we're, um, maybe some of you out there have never heard of Pete Garcia, or you've barely heard of him. I just want to put up um, a slide here and show you a little bit about Brother Pete. So let's... Uh, Share a slide. And I'm going to share that slide. All right. Let's uh, put this up just a little bigger. There we go. All right. So folks, you can see. Now, why do we have an Uh, echo here?
1: I'm not sure.
0: Anybody have an idea why we have an echo? Well, it's gone now. That's gone now. No, it is not no, gone now. Is this not. is crazy. Um how's it now? Um, let me try again. Now Pete Garcia, he wrote for the Omega letter for many years. Yeah, I think it's gone now. And his website, I told you before, it's revelation310.net. If you've never been to his website, folks, do yourself a favor. He's got a ton of fantastic posts. Most of them are by himself. He has a lot from Brother Randy Nettles, and he has some from other folks. Pete's also the author of the Hobo series and a book called The Disappearing. Both are well worth a read. Um, Hobo, if you like fiction, and The Disappearing, if you love the rapture. Pete's also a regular interviewer and interviewee with YouTube Ministries, and he's a conference speaker. Now, for myself, um, here's a little bit about myself. I write the Upward Trek email. My website is soothkeep.info. Most of the posts are from myself. And I've written some books, including the Planet Shaken Prophecy Fiction Series, and a book on the new heavens and the new earth. And I'm also a conference speaker and do frequent interviews. But anyway, that's just a little housekeeping to give you an introduction. Let's move on to the things that we are here for. So let me close this back down. And we're back to Pete. Now, tonight we want to talk about the rapture window, folks. That's the reason we're here. We want to talk about what the rapture window is. We want to talk what we mean by the closing of the rapture window. And we want to cover how this relates to imminence. These issues are of paramount importance. So, Pete, let's just start by asking you, uh, in your understanding, what is the rapture window?
1: It's, in my mind, the best way to explain it is the contrast between uh, no man knowing the day and the hour and uh, us being able to know the season. Uh, it's, it's a small window of time that seems to, I don't want to say check all the boxes, but in a way it kind of does. Uh, it meets all the conditions for the rapture of the church to occur. Now, we understand that the rapture is imminent. It could happen at any moment. And imminent means uh really from our perspective unknowable but it's not it doesn't mean immediate right uh but it but it also means that uh there there are conditions that the bible speaks of that will happen within the the tribulation proper itself and we're already starting to see these things line up and to, to the groundwork's already being set for those things. So if we're seeing that already, it it seems only likely or or reasonable that we're also entering into this time where the rapture not only seems uh, likely, but inevitable. Well, that's been very
0: similar to my thoughts, Pete. Uh, It looks to me like the stage setting for the tribulation is going on at a frantic pace, a frenetic pace, uh, it it looks to, to a lot of people that are watching the signs of what's going on, they're about ready to pull their hair out of their head. It looks like things could just actually be coming together in the next year or two where if the rapture doesn't happen soon, the tribulation is going to steamroll the world. And the, the difficult mm-hmm. part about it for me is it looks to me like the whole world and most of the church is sleepwalking right into the maelstrom.
1: Yes, yeah and it, and it's it's so uh i don't want to say ironic but uh, cuz it's more sad than ironic but it's 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 ironic that at a time when the prophetic signs are coming to pass at such a pace and in such a obvious way that a majority of the church within uh, christendom is sound asleep you know they're still thinking 20 30 40 years down the road when we're looking at a very, very short period of time right in front of us. so One
0: of the things that really shocked me as I was revisiting this uh, subject this afternoon and preparing a few slides and working through my notes for our visit tonight was really just how short this rapture window really is compared to the overall scheme of things. Um, As it's been brought out before by numerous uh, Bible teachers, and I think they're correct, we are really in a window right now where the rapture could literally happen anytime now. And I we may have a year or two to go, but it could happen tonight before we go to sleep. Now I'm going to put up a slide here. See if I can get this uh
1: oh, you sound good, man.
0: slide up that I'd like to put up. Okay, here we go. I think I got it. Now, there's uh, two metrics that I, if you can see my slide, let me see if I can make it just a little bigger. There we go. There's two metrics that I like to talk about for measuring how close we are to the rapture. And the first one is the temporal measuring sticks. In other words, we're actually measuring time. And the two things I like to use is the six-day or the 6,000-year program, which uh, if we're dating from the cross and I'm, I'm pretty sure that 33 AD was the year of the cross and you measure up 2,000 years from there because there was 4,000 years from the garden to the cross, then we're, we're getting real close. I mean, if 33 AD is the beginning of the kingdom, then 2026 is the beginning of the tribulation. So we're getting very close. The other one is the fig tree generation, and Pete, why don't you tell folks about the fig tree generation?
1: All right. So for uh, and I, you know, when I was doing this uh, previously with Tyler, I had I not say it, it was an epiphany or anything like that, but it was just a way of relooking at something. And for me, the the when. Jerusalem was destroyed in uh, 70 A.D. and the, the population was scattered and the temple was destroyed. Um, that it, just something re- was uh, reminiscent to me of them being cut off. It was like a cut off generation. And and you look, I looked at them from 70 A.D. through 1948 as really being part of that cut off generation. It's just as cl- just as that um, that generation came to an end um, we start seeing signs for that in the um lead up to their uh, rebirth as a nation we started to see that in 1897 with the first zionist congress we start to see uh tremblings and shakings going on with world war one because then all of a sudden the Ottoman Empire gets sucked into World War One, and they had previously controlled all of the uh, the Holy Land and probably most of the Middle East. Well, they get defeated. And then next thing you know, um, their empire is being carved up by the victors, right? The French and the British. And between World War I and World War II, we start to see this renewed interest in making uh Israel a nation again but we also see the the really the horror of the third Reich rise up and who did they take aim at they took aim at the Jewish people and Hitler was demonically possessed to uh to to try and wipe out or annihilate them i think satan could see what was coming and just at that point it's it's funny as is is as as, as, uh, as uh Germany and the axis powers lose uh, and and they knew their fate was being um you know was they were down to the last uh, few holdouts there in germany um it it it, it seemed that uh, satan whoever was possessing hitler at the time departed from him you know if he, i believe he was possessed and, and what does he do in desperation he kills himself and then the war in europe seems to be over we know that war in the pacific dragged on for a little bit but um there was just enough sympathy as the is the uh, the victors the allied powers came in i think i said axis powers earlier but the allied powers the us the british and the russians as they came into europe and started to discover these concentration camps there was just enough world sympathy right after world war ii for them to allow the the vote in 1947 for israel to become a nation again to, to declare their to, for their nation to be jews to go to right and uh we see their rebirth 1948 may 14th and ever since then they've been uh you know uh they were struggling from day one you know they were getting attacked they were going through they've gone through several wars um but this is the victory nation this is this nation that is going to be brought back in unbelief as it talks about in the in the uh, valley of dry bones prophecy in ezekiel and uh at this point in time where we are now it's right at 75 years i believe there's this the jews finally becoming they're coming into this uh there's like this messianic fervor that they're beginning to um embrace with you know with the things like the red heifers being discovered and all these other stuff that are going on uh the temple mount institute the temple mount faithful this desire to rebuild the temple is growing and uh we're going to see this culminate i believe right after the rapture of the church do you see uh prophetic connection
0: between that time uh, when the Lord cursed the the fig tree and it died and the death of Israel.
1: Do I see a a, a comparison? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Um, You know, in, in, uh, I want to say it's in Matthew 26, if I'm not mistaken, the Jews, when they were, you know, telling Christ or telling Pontius Pilate that they wanted hit to crucify him. They said, let his blood be upon us and our children. Um, I think that that was a, a, uh, manifestation of the, of the cursing that, the that, that Jesus had done the day prior, um, or a couple of days prior with the fig tree on the side of the road that didn't have any fruit on it. And we know that Jesus spoke of the fig tree, uh, in his parables. Um, he talked about the, uh, the, um, the vineyard master wanting to cut this tree down and, and the the vineyard keeper was like, no, let me, uh, give it another, let's give it two days. And if it doesn't, then, you know, we'll, um, uh, we can throw it into the ash heap or whatever. And so I, I think he, I think he was very uh, reminiscent of, or not reminiscent. He was very uh, uh, observant of the, the precarious nature that that generation was in, um, because of their lack of faith in their, their, um, willingness to crucify their own Messiah, and they were un—they were un, um, unaware of the times in which they lived in. You know, Jesus chastised the Pharisees in Matthew 16 for, for being able to look at the sky and, and sort out the weather, but they couldn't recognize the time that the, their Messiah had come. And, and it was very, you know, if, they, if they understood the Old Testament, um, we see the very first example of, of, of having a prophetic awareness of God's time. Uh, with the arrival of the uh, the Gentile uh, wise men that came from the East when Jesus was being born, they had a you know, I don't want to get into the backstory of how they knew, but they have an un- they had an understanding of uh, that it, not only what the star was and what it meant, but the timing around it. they were they were waiting for this thing to happen. And so we see the Gentile wise men coming from the east. They come to worship Christ, the one born king of the Jews. And yet the, the the Pharisees that were serving there under King Herod uh, didn't even walk with them to go see this supposed king being born or, you know, being, being there uh, in their midst. And they had no idea. They kind of just blew it off like whatever. You know, it's some old antiquated prophecy. It doesn't mean anything. Well, of course, we know that his birth changed everything and it changed human history. Amen. So I, I think we're in a similar predicament these days with the modern the modern church. And when I say modern Christendom, I don't mean every Christian out there. I just mean the, the larger denominations and, and the mainline churches who really think prophecy is a waste of time. They don't have any sense of where we are in time. And for them, life is just going to keep going on and on, you know, 30, 40, hundred years down the road. And they're just really invested in this world. And, uh, they're invested in, in uh, their own little kingdom building in the here and now.
0: That's really a, a tremendous problem. This concept of kingdom building—that's it, not merely people who um, own a kingdom or dominion theology, like the New Apostolic Reformation or classic post-millennialism—but it's true of a, a lot of people that haven't really gotten very theological about it, but they're all about what they can do in this world, for this world, and for themselves. And, you know, it's so contrary to the message of Bible prophecy that our king isn't trying to encourage us to fix this world with our own tools. He's telling us to uh, fix men's hearts with the gospel, get men saved, see them called out of the world, because he's going to come And establish his kingdom. You know, when we were talking about the fig tree a minute ago, uh, when I first started studying the whole concept of the fig tree and the fig tree coming back to life, it was really a shocking revelation to my heart to realize that when the Lord Jesus cursed that fig tree, he actually had a definite picture in mind. He was portraying the, the national death of the nation of Israel. And then when you look at the fig tree blossoming again and coming back to life and and budding, this wouldn't really make a, uh, it'd be an okay illustration in and of itself. But when we're talking of a tree, a fig tree, the national fig tree that was dead and now the dead has come back to life. uh, What a tremendous picture this is. And really folks, this is why so many prophecy teachers tell us, that the first and foremost sign where we really enter into the last days was the rebirth of Israel.
1: Yeah, and I mentioned this on my uh, uh, previous uh, discussion last night. Um, you know, for the, the life of the church over the last 2,000 years, I kind of went through the centuries and looked at what the church as a body of believers, what were the major issues that they faced in their day? And in, say, for instance, the first century, the big issue that early church, um, the early church was facing even when the apostles were alive was the Judaizers coming in and trying to implement, you know, add the law back into um, into the uh, message of uh, salvation by grace and faith. And then the second and third centuries, we see Gnosticism become really the, the main protagonist or antagonist of the day uh against the early church trying to mix in uh pagan influences and so on down the road we start to see through the centuries that uh every era of the church has had to face these kind of major issues and here we are in the last days and um it seems that we've we've been whittled down to um i mean there's obviously there's a whole host of things that we're divided over but one of the major issues is eschatology now that we have this understanding of the last days in a way that even the smartest men in the 16th 17th 18th century um you know the average layperson today has probably has a, a better understanding of just the general prophetic picture than they did simply because of when we live and mm-hmm. with israel back in her land it was without israel back in her land it was impossible for the church the the body of believers to to know where we were on God's time um timepiece and so that's why Martin Luther and and uh, Zwingli and Calvin and then you can go back to even before them didn't uh they weren't really focused on understanding prophecy because they had no way of knowing wh- when they were on God's timepiece so hmm. with Israel back in her land it, it's just funny to me not funny but it's um again that word ironic that that at just before israel comes back into her land physically that god begins to stir amongst his uh church the understanding of 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 prophetic truth and and then by the time israel comes back to the land there's a there's an understanding and so men like truman and later on nixon have this uh, understanding from their mothers who taught them about prophecy the significance of a nation of Israel. So in a way, we've been playing this role, enabling uh, as a benefactor to to some small degree uh, the survival of this uh, tiny nation that would ultimately come to figure to be the most significant nation in the last days.
0: It really is amazing how so few people, such a postage stamp size nation, really roils the world more than any other nation.
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they're the size of uh what is it, New Jersey. It's like they're the this physical size of Israel. Yep. I don't There's see the a... world getting all worked up over like um uh, I can't even think of a nation similar like Nepal or um
0: Yeah, right. Um Bhutan.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Bhutan, yeah.
0: <laughs> Can you see the whole United Nations passing resolutions against Bhutan or Nepal? Uh no, it's just not going to happen. The the yeah. devil's hand is in this.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And, and anti-Semitism is such a it, it's such an irrational hatred. I know today, if you're a conservative, you're so tired of all the phobic this and phobic phobia that and and. Uh, but the, when you look at anti-Semitism, and I know even this has been abused to a large degree. But anti-Semitism really stems, it's satanic. There's no there's no other ethnicity on the planet that I can think of that are so hated just for mm. for being who they are ethnically That's uh, right. than the Jewish people. So it's an irrational hatred of them.
0: Well, I'm going to pull that slide back up and let's move on to the next point. Oh, it's already large. All right, great. So we talked about the temporal measuring sticks. We're going to get more on these again in the future as we start looking at individual things, but we have the six day or the 6,000 year program. We have the fig tree generation. And I look at that. I have fig tree tree generation. I'm going to have to fire my editor and get a new one. <laughs> but at any rate, we have um, these two things. And, and the, these are going forwards towards the rapture and, and these two, timeframes are shrinking rapidly. We're nearing the end. But the other measuring stick is the mystery of iniquity measuring stick. And this is the advance of the Babel spirit or the Babylonian spirit in the world, the advance of the new world order agenda, um, whatever you want to call it, the mystery of iniquity. This is roiling the nations. Um, And this is coming on like a raging hurricane Uh, we've already got gale force winds blowing on the shores of America and Canada, Australia, England, Europe, uh, parts of the Middle East. And the winds are not going to abate. They're only going to intensify. Um, Why don't you, Pete, just kind of walk us through for a a few minutes just the basic outline of what you see is really happening, a big picture overview of the mystery of iniquity coming over the world?
1: Yeah, I've, I've kind of uh, phrased it the Antichrist zeitgeist. It is this, this spirit of the age and it's this spirit of lawlessness and wickedness that uh, it's really been, um, the, you know, the, if you want to consider it a storm, it's been blowing since the early 1900s, but it's really it's to the point now of hur- hurricane force winds. And it's becoming so obvious that even non believers are asking the question um you know talk you know naomi wolf who's a famous uh, uh writer and, and speaker and a, a news figure uh is asking the question you know have the have the are the gods here the old gods are the demons is the world full of demons Is it taking back over um because they see the just overt embracement of uh wickedness and in such a degree that it, it, is, it defies common sense anymore and it's not just in one nation here or there. It's it's sweeping the planet, and and we're here. You know, we're about to come into the month, the dreaded month of June, which has been uh, hijacked by a particular uh, group that like to celebrate their perversity, uh, and they want to throw it in your face. and it, And it's being done, It's going to make you sick by the time we get in, get into June. Um, and they're celebrating this the same the same sins that God you know wiped out cities for. Is now become uh, something to uh, to embrace and applaud by the world. And they have they've they've wholly bought into this idea. Um, and I don't want to even give it the credence by speaking its name. But this wickedness is uh, what was considered an aberration. What was considered a uh, a thing that was shameful and is now being paraded something to be um, held up as uh, an honored. And so I, I just think it's, it, you know, it doesn't, it, I don't even think it takes a Christian anymore, a spirit-filled Christian to see this. It is becoming so obvious that um, the, the people are taking notice of how wicked things are becoming. And there is to, um, that's just one aspect. And We look at the violence that's, that's uh, spread out uh, around the world. I think that mirrors a lot to the days of Noah, of just how much violence is going on in the world. And how much violence is celebrated in the media and as you know we we kind of look back at the romans as uh, barbarians <laughs> for having their coliseum but i think what well, we've done this far in terms of entertainment is far more egregious in poisoning the minds of men than anything that the romans ever did hmm. um, and you know it, it's 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 everywhere you can't there, there's nowhere to escape it anymore um and it's it's like this um, this spider web that's been laid over on top of the planet that there's no escaping from, and and nations and you know nations aren't Christian right? They're, you can't have a Christian nation per se, but you can't have a nation that um, has uh, in its um, foundation a Judeo-Christian moral um, ethics, you know, built into the laws and into the culture. And uh, I think we've seen that here in the United States largely being eradicated over the last uh, hundred years. And what's being replaced is this postmodernism that says you can't know the truth. There is no absolute truth. There's no objective truth. There's no way to your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And so we've gotten into this whole harebrained idea of uh, there are many truths. Well, then, you know, what follows postmodernism is this embracement of paganism. Yep as Charlie Kirk uh, you know once said, you know if you have many gods, you're going to have many many moralities and many truths. And I think that's what we're seeing today, and that's why there's so much confusion uh, amongst academia, amongst the government, amongst uh, you know, it's 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 and when I say confusion, look at look at the things that the world, the leaders um, were putting forth as the truth 10, fifteen years ago. And they've now done a complete 180 on it, and saying no, 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 it's this other thing, and they deny to your face um, the, the the very statements. You could play a video clip of them saying these things, and they just like, oh, that doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, that, that is the the insanity that we're seeing across so many different subjects and topics. Whether you're talking about gay marriage, you're talking about global cooling, and then global warming, and then now we're into this kind of catch-all uh, climate change. Um, you can talk about uh the 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 hypocrisy in, in chastising us for having an SUV while they jet around the world in their private private planes and go to these real fancy conferences and really figure out ways to uh get us back to living in huts and, and and uh you know not having a heater, not having an air conditioning and not eating meat. You know, they want us back to eating bugs and you know, whatever. It's just it is insane the things that we're seeing today.
0: One of the things that I've been watching over the last year is the exploitation of children. Uh, It is right now. The exploitation of children is the number two black market trade in the world. And it is not far behind drugs. A video that I watched recently brought out that, the attitude of those that are, have historically been running uh, arms uh, on the black market and running the drugs, they're thinking is if I sell cocaine, it gets used once and it's done. If we sell children, uh, they can get used five or six times a day for months on end. They're, they're looked at as exploitable products. And what's terrifying to me about this is in the ancient Greek and Roman cultures, pedophilia was not just something that was tolerated. It was the cultural norm. It was, it was the rarity that um, adults, whether males or females, didn't engage in it, at least from time to time. Um, that was the rarity. Your, your typical Greek and Roman citizens did engage in it, and they did heterosexual and homosexual in, in this thing. It, would just, it was accepted. And you know, 20, 30 years ago, some very prescient prophecy teachers pointed out that, hey, if, if we give in to the LGBTQ movement, this isn't going to stop with just homosexuality and they'll be happy. It's not going to stop with lesbianism. They're going to be happy. It's not just going to stop with the tranny lifestyle and they're going to be happy. This is going to keep going until sex with minors is made legal and there is no minimum age. Uh, or, or it will be extremely low if there is an age. And th- this is where the global cabal and the um, deep state want to go. It's, it's amazing to me that whenever people start uncovering these stories and get serious about it, they either get silenced by being paid off or they get silenced by disappearing, or they get silenced by committing uh, suicide. Let's get both fingers in there. There we go. Whoop! come on, suicide. Get the quotes in there, the air quotes. Um, This is just the way this world works. And what it tells us, folks, is that the evil is far more um, dominant in America than we think because our government is so far gone in these things that they have no intention of fixing the child exploitation problem. Um, yeah,
1: yeah even even happen. if you look at Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein's list of uh, people that he used to, his clientele list, is still not been revealed, you know, how many years after the fact. Uh, it, it shows you what to the depth that they'll go to cover these things up for the rich and the powerful. And and the fact that they are they are refusing to deal with the southern border which is a a highway of human trafficking particularly with children shows us that this present administration is absolutely not serious about dealing with this problem because they 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 need this they, you know and you're right they're not going to be satisfied and, and in my opinion it's not even going to go beyond pedophilia it's going to go to uh sacrificing children in in a bloodlust that's that's where ultimately it's going to end it's going to go back to like the days of of Baal, where where you know people are putting children on these golden statues that are burning and ultimately that's kind of where i think this ends up if if the lord doesn't intervene and tarry or if he tarries which i don't believe he will um i think that's ultimately where this will go um, mm-hmm. in the next decade or so where they're going to tr- try and argue for this that we should be sacrificing children again. Um, and that's, that's I think, where the end state goes to.
0: Yep. And that's, you know, it's already been being done for decades in the closet. It's yeah. going to come out in public.
1: Yeah. Yeah, somebody in the chat mentioned Moloch. Yeah, and it's the Baal, Moloch. I mean, there are so many different gods that that, that demanded the, the blood of children. Uh, you can see Satan's fingerprints all over that.
0: Well, I'm going to pull up another slide. And uh, see if I can just do this. Nope, that doesn't work. So I'm going to go over here and hit the Escape button and hit the next slide. Here we go. Here is my slide that illustrates the Raptor window. You can see on the left-hand side that we have the two temporal uh, gauges. The 6,000 years and the fig tree generation and the clock shows we are just a few minutes to midnight. In the middle is the rapture window. And on the right-hand side, we have uh, the mystery of iniquity and the new world order agenda racing towards us. So um, the 6,000 year clock is moving forwards towards the rapture date. And we're on that basically going forwards or it's kind of like riding the crest of the hour uh, it, what it reminds me of is like a surfer riding the crest of a wave, and we're riding the crest of this time wave forwards on the fig tree generation, the six thousand years, and we can see that this wave is getting ready to crash on the beach of the tribulation. But at the same time, the the um, shoreline is racing towards us. Um, now that doesn't happen in real life, but in my imagination of the tribulation coming we have the reefs of the mystery of iniquity and the New World Order agenda racing towards us. And if the Lord doesn't take us up, then these surfboards are going to go slamming into this reef-covered beach.
1: And yeah, that's a good picture. I haven't seen it before. Um, but yeah, we have, we, you know, and I've, I've used this example in the past where um, when we talk about Satan and uh, his... Uh, ability to maneuver in this world he is like a a man going down a river and he has the uh the liberty or freedom so to speak um the leash to go between the two uh shores of this river on this boat he can kind of go back and forth but ultimately the water the the water is pushing his boat down the road and that water is time and i think that he sees uh, speaking of satan he sees how much time he how little time he has left and he's become much more aggressive in pushing this agenda um, of paganizing the world and and i think and this is just my own theory on this but i think that he is really hell-bent on removing as many christians from uh, prominent places of power particularly in the united states because of of the uh, rapture and he wants to have as little uh, disruption to this present uh, age, so to speak, as possible, because he knows how little window of time he has on the other side of the rapture of the church. So he needs as little disruption because immediately after the rapture, he wants to begin to set up his kingdom to solidify his control. Hmm. So we see that we see echoes of that now foreshadows of that in removing anything from, about God, from, from the halls of power in the United States where it used to be very prominent. Now you're shunned. If you admit that you're a pro-life Christian or that you're a, a, you know, a believe in traditional marriage or it's getting, it's basically making all these politicians and there's, there's still a vocal uh, minority that, that are not afraid to um, talk about their values, but, you know, one of the uh, things I've considered in in in, in relation to your, your picture that you just had there is that if the Bible is true, and I know that it is, and you know that it is, and everybody watching this knows that it is, then everything that is not focused on Christ and that is not focused on God is, is a facade, no matter mm. how benign or evil or wicked it is, because God is the creator of this universe, right? He is the, he spoke everything to existence. He said, this is the flow of time that everything is gonna go down. And we we too are maneuvering between the banks of this river and time is still pushing forward. And there's no way for us to, to you know, the the cliff is up ahead, the, the waterfall is up ahead. And we, we can see that. We can look forward and say, wow, that's coming very close. We're, we're getting very close to this. And it's danger. We're trying to warn people. Hey, we need to get off off the boat, <laughs> get on the shores of Christ, and and uh, the world is just partying like they're tubing down the river with their you know six pack and their cooler floating next to them, like in radio blasting. They have not a care in the world, and they're about to go over the waterfall. But the the you know, the issue with um, us being propelled forward is that we still live in the in the world and the universe that God created, and all, everything that the Bible spoke of is true the history that's embedded in there the archaeology the 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 cultures the everything that the bible discusses is is true and if there's any groups or there's any people out there right now that that uh, dismiss it they're living in a facade they're not dealing with reality Hmm. they're not they're not dealing with the world that that is they're trying to to and 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 it's very subtle, and it has been very subtle for the last, you know, 150 years, really since probably Darwin's, uh, the, the what is it, The Origin of Man or whatever his book was, The Descent of Man, yep. um, began to put forward this idea that, that you know, we were just here accidentally, that, that time is, uh, that man has slowly evolved over millions of years, and they began to really set the things of God aside. And now God is kind of pushed into this tiny little corner but that doesn't that, that doesn't diminish the reality that God is still omnipotent, omnipresent, and the things that He says are going to happen are going to happen regardless. And you know, I know people like us uh, for the last you know 50 years have been you know sounding the alarm, and you it's starting to fall on deaf ears where people say, "No, you guys have been saying this forever." But but in reality, we're we are right there now. Um, That's and, exactly and, right. And it's 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 now people have become very uh, tone deaf and they don't want to hear it anymore. And now the wickedness is to such a level that they're refusing to acknowledge the craziness in the world is is equivalent to them just, you know, being willingly ignorant and burying their heads, heads in the sand and, and, you know, closing their ears and and saying, nah 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 I don't want to listen to this anymore. Um, but that doesn't deny the reality of what's happening. And how fast we are uh, rapidly approaching this this uh, coming storm.
0: It to me, it's really a shocker how people can walk in the sewer of this world and not feel like throwing up, not not be embarrassed, not be ashamed, not wanting an escape route. Uh, actually, loving this world, it, it's really kind of sick.
1: It is, yeah. And and you know I've attended churches where the guy you know uh, the the preacher would uh, I think it was when um, Roe v Wade with Roe v Wade was overturned and he did not even applaud that this is the preacher what he was more concerned with was the messaging uh, kind of after the fact that we should still uh, uh, care more for the freedom of, of choice. Than the, the fact that uh, millions of children will be saved because of this simple change in policy, you know? And he's not alone. I mean, that's when you look across the the uh the the uh field of view with all of these major and prominent pastors and teachers that have national platforms who are either silent on the subject or when they do get pressed into a corner, uh kind of lament the fact that Roe v. Wade was overturned. And mm-hmm. and it just it shows this the sad state of affairs. And it's very uh, uh to me, it's you know, because I believe the seven churches align with the the ages over the last two thousand years that we're in this Laodicean age, but they're just there isn't a care or there isn't a concern for the things of God. They're more concerned about physical wealth and prominence and relevance in a culture that's you know, hell bent on suiciding itself than they are with standing up for the truth and standing on God's word and standing um with the oppressed growing minority that that is the remnant body of believers they they don't want anything to do with this if you i guarantee you you could pick out 10 major churches in your city where you live and you go in there and you you have a a one-on-one meeting with them and you want to say hey i'd like to to introduce um and see if you guys first of all do you guys teach on the uh, bible prophecy and, and warning people about where we are in the timeline nine out of 10 would just tell you they don't they don't have time that's not something that they're focused on it's a distraction blah 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 I've had them tell me that to my face many times uh and I'm not I'm not you know some crazy guy coming in and off the street I'm I'm a member of this church I've been you know in the military I've gone to a number of different churches uh, based on where I was living and even here in Kentucky I've, I've had a conversation with the local pastor and it's just not something he even wants to discuss and it's never brought up in his church and that's not to say that he's a bad guy or that he you know he preaches the gospel but he doesn't want to discuss anything beyond that and um i think that you know we're adults we can walk and chew gum at the same time we don't we don't you know uh we should be able to study the entire council of god and not just little select sermonettes that, you know, he's got a little series that he wants to go through, and then the next series is this, and they avoid, this is a Baptist church now, they avoid with a 10-foot pole anything that has to do with prophecy, and I think it's very much to our detriment as a body of believers, um, this, this uh, especially from the pulpits, this uh, willingness to keep their congregations in the dark about how close we are to the end.
0: Well, you know, and two, one thing I think about is how... A lot of folks, they feel like it's detrimental to speak on prophecy. Mm. It gets in the way of the gospel. I don't even understand
1: this. (laughs) All
0: the way through the gospels, the message of the Lord's first coming and his death on the cross, that's inseparable from the fact that he's coming again. Um, Everywhere in the Old Testament prophets, where it talked about his coming, we have his first coming and his second coming mingled. Um, um, And many times, not merely that it goes back and forth in the running context, but some individual context, they're tangled together inseparably. Uh, This is what created great headaches for the theologians before the time of Christ. They couldn't figure out how you could have the suffering Messiah and the reigning Messiah come at one and the same time. Well, now we have people that they're, they're more than glad to hold on to the first coming. But because of replacement theology, because of um, the idea that the, the, um, that, well, they just leave the second coming of the Lord out. They love this world. They're trying to save this world. They're not trying to save men out of the world. And this just leaves so much of the church ignorant of the second coming, not interested in the second coming. And they're really doing themselves a great disservice.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, when we look at the, uh, I don't want to say popularity, um, because, I you know, you and I were on here, and I don't know how many people are in the chat. But if you go to, uh, uh, you know, say, uh, Tom Hughes or Jan Markell or somebody, anybody that has a program on that that has a national platform. Um, you know, you may have two thousand people in the chat, and or three thousand, and it seems like a lot. But you know, if you were Justin Bieber, Britney Spears, or, or you know, Katy Perry, or some star, and they're just going to sit there, uh, have a camera on them while they uh, eat some ice cream or something, they may have like you know, twenty million people you know watching this thing because that's that's the uh, the 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 scope and comparison of how few people are really interested in in the things of god and and i would say for the the large the larger window of people the larger group it's largely due to ignorance because nobody wants to talk about it anymore we've been censored in uh the churches so people are coming online now looking for prophetic truth and there there is a handful of teachers out there that are still holding true there's also a growing um 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 horde of those that are that are just preaching all kind of crazy stuff you know and so that's how satan does it you know he he realizes this medium that we have now is a open door and he's either trying to shut it or he's trying to throw so much confusion into it that people are just going to be scattered about and um in you know really that's that's their that's his tactic now he can't shut this window he can't shut this door um, so now he's going to flood it with misinformation. And um, and we see the, you know, there is uh, many groups are starting to become very active online. Uh, LDS, Jehovah Witnesses, um, Seventh-day Adventist, uh, any number of cults um, that will start to peel off believers. Anything that's good, anything that gets the gospel out there, Satan is going to go after that wholesale. and He's going to attack it. And he, if he can't shut it down, he's going to just flood it with confusion. Hmm. so it's very it's very important for believers to read their bibles to be discerning christians uh and to be careful um where they put their eyes and ears to and who they listen to and give credence to i don't want anybody to follow me i want people to um, study the scriptures for themselves if i say something um that they they should be able to go back to scripture and say is this true is what pete's saying true Hmm. can Hmm. he validate it with scripture and don't just follow me to follow me. I, I'm not anybody to follow. I follow Christ. I'm just, you know, I'm like you. We're beggars pointing to people to where they can find the free bread. And that's, you know, that's Jesus. That's not me. Amen. Um, but there's there's so few teachers these days. Uh, and we, we seem to be coming smaller and smaller. Um, I mean, and just in my brief uh, ministry thus far, you know, 15 years, we've lost a lot of great teachers and a really? lot of great um um, you know, Jack Kelly, Jack Kinsella, uh, Dave Hunt, uh, J.R. Church. I mean, there's a whole number of guys. Chuck Minsler. Um, you know, not, not uh, anybody's fault, largely due to, to their own ages and stuff. But, you know, we stand on their shoulders. Um, and, uh, but we, we, we seem to be a, a growing minority, so to speak, um, that is still warning people about what's coming and how soon things are happening.
0: Yeah, the number of men that are 40 and under that are raising up to fill the footsteps of those men is few and far between.
1: Yeah, yeah, amen. You
0: know, one thing I've been thinking about when it comes to this world being filled with iniquity and this growth in iniquity being one of the signs of the times that indicates the rapture is near. Well, how does it indicate that the rapture is near? Because we know there are no signs that specifically point to the rapture. The the rapture has no sign that says, okay, now you're six months from the rapture or now you're two months from the rapture or the rapture's tomorrow. There is no sign that will say that. But yet we, we do see these signs and they're setting the stage for the tribulation. And we know we're gonna go up before that stage is fully set because once that stage is fully set, The curtain's going to open. And so when we're looking around at this world stage and we see the mystery of iniquity increasing, it reminds me of Matthew chapter 13 with the woman who hid the leaven in the lump of dough. And that leaven will eventually work its way through that entire lump. And when it works its way through the entire lump, now it's time for the kingdom to come. Well, we're rapidly approaching that day. Uh, we are not far away. And so when we look at this evil developing in the world, um, it's breathtaking, but not in a good way. It's breathtaking in a bad way. Um, it's startling to me. I, I look at how, when I was a young believer and I spent some time in California in the early eighties, I had grown up in Montana and in North Dakota And spent time on military bases where there is a great deal of conservatism, even amongst those that were voting Democrats. They were conservative today. Many of them were more conservative than Republicans are today. And so when I went to California and spent time in areas like San Francisco, I was in for a rude awakening. I saw things I could not possibly imagine. And folks, what I saw back in San Francisco back then that practically gave me cardiac arrest, now this is saturating every major city, every major university in the entire country, in, uh, but not only America, Australia, Canada, England, Europe, many of the big cities in South America. This is going global and we are uh, we're no longer on the verge of the days of Sodom and Gomorrah we are now in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah
1: yeah and and I, I think when for me the easiest way to point somebody to the signs of not the rapture but the signs of the coming tribulation is when you step back and you look at where everything is trending towards i think it's easier to show people uh, for example, if you look back 100 years ago, or 100, was it 120 years ago, to the turn of the 20th century, and you look at the total number of banks that are out there, the total number of media outlets and newspapers, and and everything's independently owned, and it seems like crisis after crisis, you know, smaller things, smaller banks, smaller newspapers, smaller television stations, smaller this and that, they get gobbled up by the bigger ones, and and pretty soon. We're now kind of reduced down to six major media hubs in the world that control all the messaging, that control all the narratives, um, and and we see everything trending toward fewer and fewer hands controlling more and more of the world's power, and that the big picture view of things trending is is uh, we, you know I could point somebody to Revelation thirteen and say look here we were here we were you know hundred years ago. Here we are today, where there's now six major companies that control much of the world. That's right. Uh, And and not just that, but look at the major issues for today. You know, we have two big crises that are looming. We have this, you know, health crisis that's going on, and they're demanding digital identification. They're demanding that everybody get synced up with some kind of digital ID. And then the other one is the major banking crisis where the traditional 20th century currencies are beginning to fail. And they're failing because of all the debt that's been piled on um, due to bad policy for decades is now caught up to us. There's no more uh, road to kick the can down. And so now these two big things are kind of merging together, uh, major health issues, and then now um, um, this banking crisis that's starting to happen, not banking in, in, in and of itself, but the the money, the the foundation for banking is beginning to falter so they're trying to present these and eventually these two things will come together and what we know is the mark of the beast which is a biometric uh, uh, technological system that is used for controlling um uh, all buying and selling in the world and and it probably has it's multifaceted in terms of its um, its use in terms of identification uh, surveillance and all of these other things so you can it's easy to step back and you when you step back you start to see the shadows of the tribulation falling at our feet now
0: that's right and We're kind
1: of walking into it and we start to see these shadows and we realize man we are we are right at the door
0: there's no doubt about it you know what a lot of people haven't really thought through they haven't processed this when we are uh moving into a system that's going to be digital and they're thinking, okay, well, we've had the digital stuff. We've had credit cards and debit cards for decades. Well, it's actually not quite the same thing. The, the debit cards, the credit cards were uh, like a feeder process to get us used to uh, the system we're going into. But when we go into this new digital system, we're not going to be uh, having using a credit card that's using regular dollars. We're going to be using cards and chips that are using the digital dollars. It's going to be a brand new program. And this digital currency program, it is intrinsically and immediately connected with social grading. uh, So that you put up a bad post on Facebook that somebody doesn't like. And within five minutes, the FBI is all over it. And within 15 minutes, your bank account is frozen until you'll be given a choice. This is your first strike. You have to publicly apologize on Facebook, or we are going to permanently ban you from social media. And we're we're freezing, not only freezing your account, we're seizing your account. Uh, This is where people are going to be facing this stuff. And it gets worse than this. I was reading the other day about AI. And the more I read about AI, the scarier it gets. Some of the the things they're working on with AI right now, people have developed a program where you read books and magazines and TV scripts and things like this for a few hours into a computer. They want you to come at uh, different genres of literature. You read it into a computer, and they are scanning your brainwaves as you're audibly reading these words. And then after they've gotten, I don't know, six, eight, ten hours of this with you reading stuff in the computer, they run their algorithms. And then they hook you back up to the computer with probes on your skull and ask you to verbalize thoughts in your mind. So you're not physically talking, but you are speaking sentences in your mind. And right now, this thing is batting about 50% at putting your thoughts into words. That's terrifying. This stuff is in the kindergarten level. Uh, this stuff is, is barely walking. They've not got into first grade yet. When they develop this technology and everyone is wired up into the internet of things because they're all in the 5G system and they're all have got this Neuralink type technology connected to them whether it's physically attached to their body or physically implanted in your body, when we get there, folks, uh, they're going to read your thoughts. There's nowhere to run and hide. What's interesting about this technology, 15, 20 years ago, this technology to dominate the world was not here. 50 years ago, they weren't even close. Folks, this technology is here today. It's here today.
1: Yeah, and and I like the uh, you know I like the sentiment a lot of people have today with uh, prepping. Like I I, I I believe that being uh, prepared for storms and for um, nasty weather things like that is being prudent, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a there's a lot of people who believe that um, that they're going into the tribulation and that they're going to be able to ride it out hmm. in a bunker or or in the mountains somewhere off grid they don't understand the level of technology that that is going to be coming against them um and it's it it defies our understanding now because we we kind of have been uh, lulled into this sleep due to um uh, gradualism or you know not gradualism but um then just normalcy bias um, that just because yesterday it didn't happen, they're thinking tomorrow it's not going to happen. But you know, we've also seen kind of uh, juxtaposed to that is this uh, slow boiling that's that's been happening over the last hundred years, where more and more of our freedoms are being removed, and we're being desensitized to the intrusion that's being placed into our lives. So that by the time it does come, it, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late for for people to escape from.
0: That's right. And
1: you know, you know i do believe that immediately after the rapture there will be a small window of time where people are going to realize what happened and if they're smart they're going to they're going to run for the hills they're going to get out of cities they're going to um, go to places where they can secure themselves for a short time but as the beast kingdom and its 10 region confederacy or whatever solidifies its control back over the world um the technology they're going to throw at people is it's it's unlike anything that they've witness to and, and the, the kind of the closest, closest closest example i can use is in the uh, polish ghettos in world war ii um you know right before world war ii uh, really you know went into its main thrust when the jews were still being rounded up and put in ghettos um, they would go through and clear out these ghettos you know kind of block by block and after, during the day, and then they'd come back at night when all of the, the they'd come back when everything's is, is turned off, just like if you saw Schindler's List, um, they'd come back in the middle of the night and they knew that there's still people hiding out in these in these buildings, you know, in, in tra- hidden uh, traps under the floor or inside of pianos or inside of beds, you know, any place you can think to hide. And they would come back through a second time at night with dogs and with uh, listening to the walls with their, steth- their stethoscopes. And um, that, that's 1940s technology and they were able to capture people that way. You know, put that on steroids and you're gonna have AI, you're gonna have uh, uh, drones, you're gonna have uh, technology that can, that can sense uh, heat through walls, thermal sensing. Um, they're gonna have um, small robotic, uh, you know, insect-sized drones that can crawl, fly, uh, jump, um climb walls um scanning everything uh, they're gonna there's not going to be anywhere to hide you're not going to be able to hide underground so when we read that the the mark the uh fifth trump or fifth seal judgment um this great um martyring of, of believers uh is going to be unleashed upon the world and then we see them in revelation 7 dead you know mm-hmm. in at the throne under the altar um it, it's 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 um press not pressing it's um telling of just the amount of control that the antichrist is going to have over this world at that time and even in revelation 13 7 this control is is allowed by god to to basically uh wipe out the martyrs that are or the the believers that are going to be on the earth at that time and when we get to the final stretches of the tribulation the last days in the in the bold judgments and right before armageddon there is going to be so few people left remaining on the planet, you know, that uh, that will physically be able to enter into the kingdom. Um, it, it's going to be a, a sobering uh, telling of just how horrific that time period is going to be. We're going to go from eight billion people to uh, probably just a, a small number going into the to the kingdom age.
0: Well, it sounds like like a few figs left on the tree after harvest. Or like the rare, as rare as the gold of Ophir.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and we know we know that all we need is two people to enter yep. into the kingdom. So we we know that that number is going to be very few. It may be less than eight eight people. You know, I don't know, but uh, we the God started the world with two people, and He started it again with eight people. So,
0: what's interesting um, to me what, is we do read that it be a, a great multitude that no man can number. But yet the fact is, if there was 3 million or 5 million people, there's no man on earth that could just start walking down the line and count that number. It's way too big for one man to count. But if 5 million people were saved, that is just, that's less than 1% of the world's population.
1: Yeah, and probably percentage wise, excuse me, um, I'd be interested to know what what the number of, um, what the percent, I feel like I got to sneeze. What the percentages of noah and his sons and their wives uh, based on that population of his day which we we can't know we but we presume to be at least in the low billions yeah um, versus what the percentages of of us going into the kingdom and those that physically survive the tribulation time period and will physically enter into the kingdom is probably pretty close <laughs> a pretty pretty close percentage so you're right it would be somewhere under one percent Hmm.
0: You know, it's amazing the things that are going on right now in the world. And we, we've we mentioned that it's just a tremendous shock to my system. But I got to admit, um, I've long saw this stuff coming. But now that we're entering into it, it never dawned on me how immoral and how wicked these people would be. I guess I kind of in the past maybe thought of it be a little more gentler atheism a little bit more gentler uh, religious unbelief. Um, You know, there were some of the teachers when I was a young believer 40 years ago that kind of looked at the Antichrist like he was a great religious leader, like leading the the world, uh, One World Whore Church. Uh, But most people uh, no longer hold that position, and I think they're correct. The the One World Whore Church is going to be put to death in the middle of the 70th week, in the middle of the tribulation. And then he's going to require the whole world to worship him in an atheist I mean, um, a militant atheism, this worshiping man as an ascended master, as the first man to become God. But uh, it's just a shocker to me how militant and spiteful and hateful the world is now towards Bible-believing Christians. And this is just the beginning of the fire. This fire is going to grow hotter and hotter until the rapture of the church
1: yeah and it kind of reminds me of the left behind series and i if for all the good that it did and it did a lot of good it did a lot of good in waking up a generation of people to recognize what's coming um the the only detractor from that is how how uh, gentle it presented in the last days yes. as being I, I don't, I, it's sort of whitewashed how wicked and violent and evil and dark it was going to be. So here we are in these times and, you know, uh, Jan, Markel, you know, always ask the question, you know, well, what did you expect the last days to be like? I mean, Paul said they would be perilous times. That's right. Um, and I think that, that word perilous, and I don't have the Greek in front of me, but is the same kind of, um uh sentiment that was used of those uh the demoniacs at the gadarenes who were just inc- incredibly violent in and, and, and crazy um that that's the same sentiment and we are seeing i mean you know i i've i've long believed that the mid-20s would be the time frame for the lord to return for the rapture hmm. um, i was influenced very early on by a guy named don koenig and uh who um i loved his work and I, he took all of these prophecies in a chart and he basically took all the averages and and he took everything and and he just said okay well the averages seem to point to the 2020s and then the second coming being the 2030s and um this was in 2007 and i think i read the article first in 2009 and you know at the time everybody was really ramped up about 2012, 2011. Um, 2007 i mean you know and and then even getting into a few years later with the blood moons and all that but i've always i've always seen the 2020s as as the time frame and even in all my writings going back to 2011 um mm-hmm. i never i never got worked up over anything that happened in the teens I, I just didn't i didn't think that it was i knew that the lord could return at any moment that's not right that's not to say that he couldn't come back but I think in my heart of hearts i always pictured it happening in the 2020s and now that we're here uh it just it's so much worse than we we thought it could be in terms of i've had to like completely quit watching the news i just get so uh my stomach churns and and i just get nauseous at the things that i'm seeing um and I, and I consider myself you know pretty seasoned in terms of of following events i know the average person out there is has unplugged a long time ago because they can't they can't stand it anymore and um but you know i see the 2020s and now that we're here um you're right it's it's it just it's far worse than we thought it could be in in terms of what they're trying to champion in terms of evil trying to present evil as good and good evil and um you know from the highest offices in the world we're seeing this we're seeing every corporation bend the knee we're seeing um every major industry bend the knee we're seeing major religions bend the knee to the world narrative which is again ties back to this antichrist zeitgeist that they're all kind of buying into and you're right it's in the antichrist when he comes he's going to be exceedingly militant exceedingly arrogant and uh if you think a guy like yval noah harari who you can google any of his sayings and see how blasphemous if he's not the false prophet, imagine how much worse the false prophet will be. Oh, my I mean, goodness. This guy is already exceedingly blasphemous. Think about how much worse the false prophet will be and then the Antichrist himself. So um, we can get small glimpses now of, of just the level of wickedness that's going to be on the earth immediately after the rapture of the church.
0: Yeah, it it's going to explode. The rapture of the church. Is going to be like a grenade tossed into a foxhole and uh for a handful of people who knew better and didn't get saved, but it's gonna be like a nuclear bomb of iniquity for the rest of the world.
1: Yeah, I got one. And even, Go ahead. I was gonna say, even before any of the judgments begin, just looking if we just look at the window of time between the rapture and the, the start of the 70th week proper. However long that gap is, um, whether it's months or a year or two. Just the amount of wickedness and violence that's going to explode immediately after the rapture because of the lawlessness that's going to happen once everything starts to fall apart. Uh, well, you're talking millions and millions and millions of deaths um, due to violence due to the, the general lawlessness that's going to happen and transpire, the crime, the, the crime wave that's going to be sweeping the world, all the prisons that will be let, let loose, um, prison systems, at least in the United States, is going to collapse. Um, and then all of that wickedness will spread out, all the serial killers that were put away, the serial rapists, the child molesters, the, the gangbangers, all of that is going to be, as this system begins to fall apart, that's all going to be unleashed back upon the population that's left behind. And that's before any of the judgments. You can imagine how scary things are today. You know, multiply that by a thousand. And that's what it's going to look like the day after the rapture.
0: You know, Tyler put out a video uh, maybe a year ago or so. And I ago, I forget the name of the video, but one of his illustrations was as soon as the rapture happens, it's going to be like the Hoover Dam breaking and a whole flood of iniquity is just going to come washing over the world. Um, th- and that'll be from two causes. One, the testimony of the church is no longer here, and we are the salt of the earth. And two, the restraining hand of the Lord has been removed from the picture. And whether you think that that's immediately the rapture of the church in and of itself, or, or whether you think like I do, that it's, um, the, the removal of the restrainer is associated with the rapture, um, it's the same time. It's the same result. And when that's removed, that Hoover Dam is going to break, and that those floods of iniquity are going to rush across the entire planet. Now, I yeah. want to bring up a slide, Pete, because it touches on what you were talking about. And, um, let's – whoops, it didn't sh- – there we go. There we go. Let me put this big – Okay, so you can see on this slide that on the right-hand side, I have the 70th week with an arrow going because the 70th week is going to keep going for a while. It's seven years long. And then in the middle, there's the events between the rapture and the 70th week, and we don't know. This is unknown length. We don't know if that period of time is six months long or if it's a year long, a year and a half, two years long. And then we um, have the the likely rapture window in there. And so, you know, overall, you see the blue line, the rapture window, which is the spring of 2023 right now up to the spring of 2026. It might go deeper into 2026, but this is just what I put on my chart. So you can see if, if the end of that blue line in the beginning of the tribulation, let's just say it is a spring of 2026, just for the sake of illustration. And we actually have a year or a year and a half prior to that for events like Gog and Magog, Psalm 83 to happen, for the Antichrist to come to power and consolidate power before he starts the 70th week with this treaty. Well, that pushes us back. If it's a year, it pushes us back to the spring of 2025. If it's a year and a half, it pushes us back to the fall or summer of 2024. And you can see that the bigger that window is, the closer it pushes the rapture towards us. And once we wrap our minds around this, it really ought to get us excited about the soon coming of the Lord.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, put thoughts or, uh, you know, try to put words in people's mouths or thoughts in their heads, but I think a lot of people uh have disconnected the rapture happening one day and then the tribulation starting the next day Mm -hmm. and and you know in scripture there's no uh prophetic tissue uh tendons or anything that connects the rapture with the official start of the 70th week that's right um there the what the rapture does is it, it 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 um sets it's a cause right it sets the conditions for this present world order to fall apart and for the world leaders to come back together and then restructure it according to what the bible says is going to happen now they're they're doing it for their own purposes not realizing they're fulfilling prophecy but they're going to settle on 10 uh regions or 10 major nations or you know they're going to restructure the world into 10 kind of centers of power and then out of those 10 will rise one who is going to be this guy the antichrist and he'll take over three, and then he'll soon have the whole enchilada, right? He'll take over everything. And we know that um, that those things that the Bible mentions uh, Gog and Magog, Psalm 83, the rebuilding of, of Babylon, wherever this is, uh, whether it's a megalopolis, and it's, you know, Babylon is now uh, from Washington, D.C. to Boston, or it's in somewhere in Iraq, or it's somewhere, maybe it's in a, somewhere in the Middle East or in Europe. We don't know exactly where that's going to be or or if that's even going to stay that center for the entire you know 70th week but those things take time you know there's time built into restructuring the world order so there is going to be a gap in time we just don't know exactly how long that gap will be but i do think things like the gog magog war will also further perpetuate the final kingdom because now you're going to remove russia iran and the forces that are aligned with them who come against israel they're going to try and take advantage of, of the chaos going in going on in the world largely with the collapsing of the united states and they'll come against israel they'll get defeated and that creates another vacuum so now we have two different vacuums we have the what was the the world order that was centric, and now you're going to have the collapsing of the russian world order Hmm. Uh, or the the eastern you know world order sort of power so now that leaves europe standing and allowing them to call the shots and i'm not saying that the united states is going to disappear off the map the united states will disappear off the map in terms of our form of government but the structure of powers and all that will still be here the land will be here there will still be large populations and there will be things that will get restructured and wrapped back up into this beast kingdom so where the where about Babylon ultimately ends up being headquartered at and how the structure looks at, we don't know, but it seems extremely reasonable to think that there is a little bit of time after the rapture before the official start of the 70th week where a lot of things have to be have to take place. And those they, those events help feed into the final kingdom and what that looks like. Hmm.
0: Well, one other subject, we haven't really touched on it yet tonight. We've touched on a lot of the tribulation signs, but one that's in in some ways is one of the most terrifying ones to me beyond AI is this whole concept of the designs of the new world order to move into transhumanism to not only adjust men's bodies with like these uh, implantable biochips that connect you to the internet of everything um, but beyond that I mean genetically manipulating the DNA uh, the investigations that are going on in some parts of the world now um, and in US government officials be, uh, are involved in some of this research in other parts of the world because it's illegal here in the United States at least ostensibly it's illegal and they're moving into, um, enhancing us with uh, genetic material from the eyes of eagles and genetic material that are going to make our legs faster because they're mixing genetic material from leopards and, and cheetahs and, and uh, mixing in genetic material from animals that are stronger than human beings and trying to make super soldiers. But the biggest goal is not the super soldiers. The biggest goal is longevity of life. Uh, using the DNA manipulation to make human beings that are impervious to cancer, impervious to the common heart diseases, and, and impervious to the natural breakdown of the human cell system so that they can conceivably have human beings that will last hundreds, if not thousands of years. This is like a synthetic eternal life. But this genetic manipulation Um, I think is one of the most perverted undertakings of, of our generation and of the new world order. It is destroying those creatures that are made in the image of God.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, I was just looking, verifying the passage, but revelation nine six says in those days that men will seek death and death will flee from them. So some, something changes. uh, And and I'm, 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 inclined to believe that this is tied in with the mark that the mark does something to the human body um that uh prevents uh, dying or it, pre- it slows it down considerably hmm. to such a degree that that then that's going to be a major selling point for people that uh that this this new system it's going to be biometric it's going to be some form of technology that's embedded into the human body and that it's able to um uh, it's going to be sold as this anti-aging technology, and it, and it does something to the effect that it keeps people from 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 being killed, for instance, from the demonic locusts that come and sting men, mm. and they're in torment for months and months and months, but they're not going to die. And it, it, you know, we've had all sorts of fanciful fanciful ideas of, well, what if you try and commit suicide and you you know blow half your head off and and you don't die? um Well, then you know that ties in with the whole. Zombie zombie apocalypse, you know, <laughs> you know the uh, people walking around kind of half dead. Um, but it it seems to indicate that there will be some degree of that. The de- day it says death will flee from them. So something changes. There's some new technology that's brought forth that that these people that that take the mark are now um, impervious to death, and that is is um, satisfying as that might sound to some. Think about if you. Uh, uh you know are suffering some from some horrific accident that you can't die and you're just having to live in that condition uh going forward so we don't know when this is you know a lot of this is uh, we know what the scripture says that the death will flee from them but other than that we know that uh everything that we everything that we know talk about is, is a little bit of speculation but
0: well, we've covered a, a lot of these uh, New World Order topics now, Pete. Why don't you take a few minutes to just kind of sum up our conversation this evening, and then we can move into the Q&A.
1: Well, um, we know in Matthew 24, 36, that when talking about the end days and talking about the stuff in the Olivet Discourse with his disciples there on the Mount of Olives, he kind of summarizes things and and uh says you know that no man knows the day or the hour but only the father above and and of that day not even the angels know nor the son but the, the father alone and we see that echoed through the of olivet discourse in matthew mark and luke but then we see later on um contrasting that a little bit with first thessalonians 5 where paul says it you know you're gonna you're gonna know the season you're you're children of the light children of the day you're not asleep and and drunk at night like those in the world who have no idea what's coming. You should see this day coming, and in and the writer of Hebrews, kind of echoes that same sentiment. You know, commending people to uh, to continue to gather together as you see that day approaching. And then again, we see in in Revelation three, where Jesus is chastising the church at Sardis, saying that if you don't watch, I'm going to come upon you as a thief. Hmm. Well, those three additional passages indicate that. We should, we're not going to know exactly when this is going to happen. We're not going to know the day or the hour. We can't point to, uh, you know, uh, May 22nd of 2025 and say that's the day. We're not going to have that level of, of uh, understanding. But I think we're going to be able to see the, the general time frame that's coming, like a storm approaching. And uh, it should cause us to uh, be sober minded in the in the things of the world and also not just to be sober-minded but to loosen our grips on the things of the world as we see the world rushing towards globalism as we see this uh, wickedness of flooding the world i mean everywhere it's not just in one nation it's in every nation now in the violence and the perversity and and all the things that are going forward and and really turning the world on its head um it should embolden us to get busy sharing the gospel with the lost and dying world, so that people don't have to go through what's coming after that and if people think times are bad now it is going to um this is nothing compared to what's what's going to come and um you know that that at least for me has been a wake-up call you know and i got that wake-up call back in 2007 and um and to echo a phrase that I've just recently heard with this idea from Adrian Rogers that the world is growing gloriously dark. It is growing incredibly dark. And if we didn't have Christ, we would be without hope. And and it would be, it's too easy to turn to drugs and alcohol into to other things to drown, to numb us to the wickedness that's coming in and, and, and that we see flooding the world right now. But we have Christ, we have hope. Because he did promise to deliver us before all of this stuff comes.
0: That's right. And one thing I've been thinking about, all these coming fears of, of things in the horizon, like the food shortages and the energy shortages and the infrastructure shortages, all these sh- shortages are not due to a lack in the planet in and of itself or the lack of the planet's potential. Every one of them is an intentional destruction of our infrastructure so that the government of the new world order can dominate you folks. Bear that in mind. And if there's anyone out there now that's not saved and you're watching this, just put your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. It can be terrifying to look around this world and see where it's going and realize this is not the America I grew up in. This is not the Canada or Australia or New Zealand or England or Germany or France or Sweden that I grew up in. This is not the South Africa I grew up in. Well, you're right. It's not. And um, it's never going to go back in this life. It's not going to go back in this age. It's only going to get darker and darker. So I just encourage you. Put your eyes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to him. This man is not merely a human being, although he is truly and fully a human being. He is God manifest in the flesh. He came down here to earth with a mission, folks, to die for you and I, to die for the whole world, and die he did. And he died in a glorious way. He shed his infinite blood of infinite value on the cross. And now he stands in heaven as a great high priest, able to save to the uttermost all that come unto him. Don't put your eyes in your weakness. Don't put your eyes in your failure. Don't put your eyes in your sin. Put your eyes on him and realize that he, he alone is the only way of salvation and that he will receive all who come unto him. He says, all who come unto me, I will in no wise turn away. Just trust him. Just trust him for salvation. Well, folks, we've given you a presentation tonight on why the rapture window is quickly closing, because this age is coming to an end. We know that from the two temporal uh, yardsticks that we presented tonight, the 6,000 years, and the uh, fig tree generation starting in 1948, which is going to go, who knows, maybe 85 years. And we presented the fact that the waves of iniquity are washing over the world, the, the New World Order agenda, the, the spirit of Babylon, Babylon the Great. This stuff is growing at an exponential rate. It's, it's, we're already chest deep in this stuff, folks, and it's not going to go over our heads before the rapture. It's just not going to happen. So that's the presentation. And if you have your questions ready, we're going to give you a half hour or so here to answer your questions. So let's move into the question time. Okay, we have questions up. Here we, oh, we've got a ton of questions, Pete. We have a ton of questions. This is a good. I like questions. First question. Do you think the rapture will happen before Ezekiel 38? Great question. What do you think, Pete?
1: I absolutely do. I think when you read Re- uh, Ezekiel 38, 39, the focus is on is on Israel in uh, god's reference to them as my people um i believe that the the war of gog and magog happens uh immediately after the rapture because i think right now if you know it would be very hard for us to see even with biden in office it would be very difficult for us to see russia turn and invade israel we the other players in this um which I believe to be like Turkey and Iran and, and Libya and Sudan, and the, and the armies that are with him. I would, it would be very, we'd be very hard pressed to see them try and launch an attack like that now on Israel, um, simply because of the prominence of the American military that still exists in the world. But if you have a world that is immediately launched or thrust into the time after the rapture where the United States began to collapse, that presents a huge geopolitical vacuum that uh, russia and those entities will seek to take advantage of and i think that presents them a perfect opportunity for them to try and launch this invasion and it'll be so overwhelming that israel simply won't know how to to fend this off because it's not just going to be a threat from the north but you're going to have forces coming up from the south presumably from the east uh, in all directions Um, and this is where we see god intervene supernaturally and in that destruction that, that that follows, I do believe that the, the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque will be destroyed either due to a stray missile or the earthquake that happens there. And then that gives them political um, justification to go ahead and rebuild their third temple, not only for what God just did in supernaturally um, saving them, but also that the, the Temple Mount is now cleared off or it's in rubble. And the major enemies and threats that were, were coming against them now are all removed. And I think in a way, too, that Gog and Magog neutralizes or um, castrates, if you will, um, politically Islam.
0: So militant,
1: militant Islam, that there's no longer going to be a factor in the world.
0: My thoughts exactly. Okay. Let's move on to the next question. Will the church hold rank above the millennial jews is the church the highest ranking group in general
1: i believe we are below the apostles um if if we think about um i know the thought for thousands of years has been that when we die everybody just looks the same is the same we all have the same white robes on and we're all playing the same harps and we're all in the same kind of clouds and and it's very kind of almost communistic, <laughs> communist in terms of like everybody's the same. But I do believe that there is, according to Jesus's own statements, uh, you know, talking about, uh, and I can't, I'm drawing a blank on the the, the parable there. He's talking about that you know some will be over five cities, some over ten cities, and so yeah. you know, and so forth. And then we we hear later Paul t- teaching on the the beam of judgment, and that your works are being tested by fire. And some will barely make it through it, you know, just having escaped the flames themselves. Um, but I do think there will be a hierarchy, a hierarchical structure in heaven in terms of um, those who have lived even within the church. I think there will be a hierarchical and those little old ladies and soft tennis shoes, soft white tennis shoes that were just absolute prayer warriors, may be like the generals, you know, and all these uh, theologians and great speakers and stuff. They may be just the, the rank and file. So uh, I think that his, God's justice will be perfect. I think that the rewarding system will be absolutely perfect. And um, but yeah, I think I think we are we are the the, the bride. Yeah,
0: know, absolutely. We
1: are we are going to be above everything and uh, i not above God and not above. Um, but within the order that he gives us, the created order that's in heaven at that point, I think will be the the pinnacle of that.
0: Yep, it's it's, and I think there's reasons for this. When you look at what the ju- church has been called to do and be, she's in a situation where we don't have the outward manifestations of God uh, um, the same way. Other than for a few years after Pentecost, we just haven't had what Israel had when she was walking with the Lord. We don't have those kind of special outward privileges. We have special inward privileges, the indwelling Holy Spirit, um, and a, a degree of illumination in the scriptures that no previous uh, work had. But we've had to go forth uh, on this w- without a great deal of outward strength to go forth in the work of God. And I, and I believe that that this is part of the cause for the great reward. Okay. Are all evil rulers possessed by Satan? If not, how do we know the difference?
1: I, I tend to think that they are. When you read the the, te- the temptation in the wilderness where Satan is telling Jesus, you know, he takes him up to the high pinnacle or the high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world at once. And he says, you know, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms because it's been given to me and I can give it to whoever I want. Luke chapter 4. Um, I, I don't, I can't, I have a hard time seeing any world power or world leaders rising up without the aid of Satan somewhere, unless they're specifically and divinely appointed by God um, to do a particular thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, you're not going to make it as a rock star today unless you have. Uh, soldier soul into the Luciferian system, so to speak, um, because Satan is still controlling those levers. Um and that's why we see everything turning as satanic and Luciferian as we see today on the Grammys and the Super Bowl and all that other stuff.
0: I have so, a, a a dear friend that I'd love to bring on for an interview someday if he will agree to do so. He has, I think he has a little bit of camera shyness for the bigger stage. But Uh, years ago he was a model and trying to break into the modeling world. And, and when early in his career, he was rubbing shoulders with some big names and getting connected with some big agents and, and people, you know, were kind of telling him, you know, if you, you mind your P's and Q's, you're going to, you have some opportunity here to really go places Mm -hmm. and to be somebody and you can be a rising star. But it, he quickly came to realize um, a couple things. And, and one of them was that there was a huge price to pay to climb the ladder. He wasn't sure if he wanted to pay the price. And he, he tried paying the price a couple times and something inside just was like telling him, you can't do this. If you do this, mm-hmm. it's over. And along the same time, he was coming under exercise. He'd been reading books on the New Age and kind of stuff. And it was scaring him more and more. And so studying the new age, um, both studying it out of curiosity. And then once his curiosity got aroused and he realized there was evil in it, then studying it to find out how bad that evil was. That's what led him to put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, once he became a believer, that put the kibosh on his modeling career. And from there, things went downhill in a hurry. Uh, Mm -hmm. Of course, now he doesn't look at it like it went downhill. He looks at it like God threw him a life preserver and saved him. But from the world's perspective, he threw a a great opportunity away. And from the Lord's perspective, he threw death away. But I'd love to get him on sometime and interview him on his experiences with that
1: yeah it's 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 hard to see uh you, you'll see guys now that have been in the industry that have kind of uh that are now speaking out but largely these guys are tenured you know they've been in the industry yep. and they've been famous for so long that they now have the ability to speak out into and and i'm not i'm not I'm not defending guys like mel gibson or uh, james woods or some of these other ones that have kind of turned and are trying to expose the evil in, in hollywood and stuff but um there, there certainly is a price to pay. And I, I just, it's selling your soul, you know, to the world system, you know, in order to get ahead. And so many people are willing to do it.
0: Question What is your take on the fact that Daniel 2, the statue, had five toes on each foot, not 10 in one foot?
1: Um, I always just saw it as part of the same if we look at the legs as being iron or being um the iron legs being um the roman empire and then ultimately that empire broken too yes i I think it just speaks of uh what will come is going to be some kind of uh global um confederacy of of uh, either regions or nations um so I, i don't see any kind of issue with uh, the last days kingdom. I think it's going to be some kind of a global kingdom. This this beast kingdom is going to be global in nature. As we see this beast rising out of the sea, it's an amalgamation of all of the, the um the, the animals that we see in Daniel 7 and Daniel 8. The that same statue from man, you know, from man's perspective, we see it as this, you know, you know, amazing multi-metallic statue. But then God gives the same empires and nations in the form of these monstrous beasts that are chimeras that are mixed up of different parts and pieces. Well, that beast that we see coming out of the, the sea in Revelation 13, out of the sea of nations, is the same amalgamation of different, you know, it's got uh, feet like a bear, mouth like a, you know, or head head like a lion. It's got seven horns or ten horns, seven heads and, you know, all kinds of stuff, crowns, ten crowns. And uh, I just, I I see it as being global in nature. So I don't have any issue with the five toes being on one foot and five being on the other.
0: Hmm. Yeah, myself, I've often thought that when the empire divided, I think all this implies is that both Europe and the Middle East are involved in the Roman Empire. Uh, The Roman Empire is not just Europe. Uh, Europe may well play a very significant part, but it's not limited to Europe. And uh, as Pete mentioned, by the, when this thing it comes to a head, no matter how it starts, even if it starts with the former Roman Empire revitalized, it dominates one way or the other, the whole world. It will run and rule the entire world. And it may well divide the whole world up into regions. Um, I don't know how it would govern it if it didn't. <clears throat> Okay, we did that question already. Will the church still be here when we are forced to a cashless system with the central bank digity, digital currency?
1: Yeah, it depends on how fast the, the system we're under now collapses. Um, we know that I think they just passed the, a budget resolution to to raise the debt ceiling. But let's just say that I, I I tend to think that things are going to come to a head just before the next election cycle, and they're going to try and use that crisis to cement their control, so that you know Trump can't come back into office. I think that that they you know we we've seen the levels and the depths that they've stooped to to secure the office in 2020, when clearly they if if they hadn't cheated, let's put it that way they would have lost you know everywhere trump was going every uh, rally he held i mean you're talking like a hundred thousand people are showing up everywhere he goes or more and you know joe biden shows up at a an empty gymnasium when if and when he did go out there was like zero zero enthusiasm for him running and so they you know we know from the durham report we know that uh that the the media and the the previous administration had heavily invested in, in, uh, embroiling and I'm not defending Trump. I'm not saying that he is, you know, whatever. I'm just saying that this is clearly evidence now that they have the depths that they would stoop to, to prevent him from winning again in 2020, they broke all kinds of laws and they broke all kinds of constitutional, uh, rules in order to secure their victory so they they could cram all this stuff in. And, and, and I just think that they're not going to let 2024, go the the will of the people and so I, I think that there will be this massive crisis and we may be here you know that's within this window that we're looking at
0: that's right um
1: but but at, in the end i mean it's not the mark of the beast um the mark of the beast is not going to come out until after the rapture um so whatever the system is that we end up having to go to because dollars are gone the way of the the um weimar right mark you know uh then um, it's the system that will be under until the rapture, but it's not the mark of the beast.
0: Yep. And right now, uh, the government plans, yeah. they're aiming for a rollout of our central bank digital currency in 2025. It's possible that that date could be exp- expedited, but it would be difficult to expedite it much earlier than maybe the fall of 2024. Um, they def this is they're definitely going here though. They're not going to turn around. They're not going to change their mind. They're not going to reverse course. And it's not going to matter who's in office. It won't matter if a Republican or a Democrat gets in power. This is coming one way or the other. Um that it's not going to change. And um I, I personally agree with Pete. I think that we I think we're probably going to go up before that currency is introduced, but I can't guarantee it. I cannot guarantee it. I can't guarantee we're not going to see that degree of ugliness before we go up. Okay. Let's see here. Do you think the church is again, making known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms that the end is near by what God is revealing in this season? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I understand the question, but I think I think what the question is is asking is is our understanding of the prophetic teachings and, and preaching these prophetic teachings um, are is is this known to the powers and principalities that are ruling the world from well from the hidden realm?
1: I think from the hidden realm, absolutely. I think demons are very much knowledgeable of what's coming and, and aware. I don't think the rulers of our age, the human rulers, are either believe it or take it seriously um, to any degree. Um, and I'm not, you know, I don't presume to know the minds of every world leader out there. But um, you know, if you look, if you look at a guy like George Bush, George W. Bush, who back in the early 2000s was looking at, um, I think I got a. Can't remember the exact phrase, but he kind of uh, was. I'll have to go back and get the quote. But he was um, equating going into Iraq as uh, something to do with Bible prophecy, and he he was, I think, the last kind of world leader that that spoke like that. Now, Donald Trump certainly understood the significance. Uh, let's say you know re-establishing or, uh, or publicly admitting that jerusalem is the capital the eternal capital of israel and doing that in the 70th anniversary of her existence as a nation again i think he understood that to, to whatever degree he understood that there was some religious or prophetic significance to that to the number 70. um i don't know i don't i don't think that they believe it um, if yep. you look at all the world, the studies, the uh, the national security studies over the last 30 years, and they, they kind of forecast out what the world's going to look like in 10 years into the future and all that, not a single one of them ever addresses um, anything biblical in mm-hmm. terms of, um, you know, the one world government, one world currency, the tribulation, the judgments, et cetera, et cetera. I don't, I don't think any of them. Go
0: ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, too, you know, coming back and touching on this Trump issue. One thing I've thought about is um, I think it's the election is entirely out of the hands of the people anymore. I, I think the last few elections probably really didn't have much to do with with who is voting and who wasn't voting. Mm-hmm. It's really coming down to the point now where whoever the the. Global cabal wants an office. That's who gets an office. Um, I, I have no doubt in my mind, now the American public and even the media seem to be outraged um, when <clears throat> Trump was elected. But I yeah. don't think there's a, a, um, one chance in a million that Trump had gotten an office unless the global cabal wanted Trump in office for particular reasons. Uh, whether those reasons were just continually to foment the divide and press the Hegelian dialectic, or whether they were things that he wanted to to do, which were actually going to be to their advantage in the long run with their global goals. And so when we look at this upcoming election, my mind is whoever the global cabal wants to win, that is who is going to win. If they want Donald Trump or some other Republican in office because that's going to advance their causes, then that will happen. And if they want Biden or somebody else in office from the Democrat party, that's what's going to happen. They're calling the shots.
1: Yeah. To me, the only, the only way that uh, I think the will of the people We'll, we'll point to Trump, but you're right. I think it's whatever this the they'll rig the system to such a degree that the, whoever is running against him is going to win. And the only reason they would allow Trump to win is if if it's during a time when the, the U.S. is going to collapse, and they're able to pin that on him. You know, like he was he was in charge. They handed him the ship right as it's going over the waterfall and and over the cliff, and there's just no way. There's nothing he could do to turn turn the ship. I mean, it's already going over, so but then they can turn and blame him for it. So maybe that's a a reason. Yeah. Um, But
0: one other thought I've had, and this is just a theory, um, and I think I've shared this with you before, but I've wondered at times if America isn't going to be the little horn that dominates the the, the 10, that dominates the Roman empire. We've dominated Europe for, for nearly a hundred years already. Um, and maybe this has come to an end and permanently to an end, but maybe this is just a temporary setback and maybe America comes back to dominate again. That that will be interesting to see. And these next few years, I think, are going to be exciting to watch. Well, let's move on to the next yeah. question. The next one is, is the Illuminati tied to the World Economic Forum?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I think there's no doubt. The, I think every secret society is.
1: Yeah. I mean that they may not call themselves the Illuminati, they but they hold to the same values and, and uh depravities that the Illuminati was presenting in, in the ultimate goals and agenda of deifying man and uh promoting secular humanism and and um heralding Lucifer as some light bearer. Instead of being the devil, so yeah, and, and you know, the, we they've kind of taken taken that phrase Illuminati and really just um, you know, you know, tagged a conspiracy theory with it. But really, when you look at what they believe and what they promoted versus what these other secret societies are promoting, it's all kind of one and the same.
0: Yep, there's no doubt about it. And many people belong to two, three, four of these secret societies and organizations. Okay, what do we do if we are still here when the uh, CBDC rolls out or the new Fed now or anything in that line?
1: I think we're going to have to endure them under whatever system is being used into the rapture of the church. Yep. I think ultimately people just have to take comfort in the fact that that this is not the mark of the beast. Yep. Um, the mark of the beast will be put onto the right hand or the forehead. And I think the reason that we know that it's the right hand or the forehead is that it's very specific as to what it will be. Um, Now, if next year comes around and they try and and give us the central bank digital currency and they say, hey, you have to put it in your forehead, your hand, then, (laughs) hey, I would have to relook at my theology or my eschatology. But at the same time, I'd be like, "Okay, yeah, that if that's not the mark of the beast, and then certainly it's baby, baby or something, you know, it's. It's older brother or something. It's something connected to it. So yeah. until that happens, though, uh, whatever the system that we're in, you know, just like we lived through the time when eight tracks went away and and cassette tapes came out, and then cassette tapes were the kind of the norm, and then c- CDs came out, and then now everything is streaming, and we just whatever the technology that the world is going to force you have to live under the system, whatever that system is. But um, the mark of the beacon. Beast is very specific, and it's a very, um, uh, it's it's so unique in its uh, properties that it should not be mistaken for anything else.
0: That's exactly right. Yep. Here's another interesting question: How about your thoughts on Apophis, which is supposed to hit or at least come close to Earth in April of two thousand and twenty-nine? Uh, do you think it'll be a miss, or do you think it's going to be one of the trumpet judgments where a rock slams into Earth?
1: I think it'll be tied in with the trumpet judgments. Um, I don't think we'll see it.
0: Yep. But
1: uh, what exactly is? Is it wormwood? Is it some is something else? The, the large mountain on fire that falls, you know, to the earth. Um, it could be one of those two things, um, but. I, I, I'm firmly of the belief that we will not be here. The church will not be here to see that.
0: I agree. Absolutely. Do you think an anti-Semitic person can be truly saved? If so, how does God deal with them in heaven?
1: Hmm. That goes, to, that reminds me of Martin Luther. You know, he started yep. out with good intentions and then toward the end of his life, I think he. His frustration was to such a degree that he began to produce really terrible anti-semitic literature and um not understanding perhaps romans eleven twenty-five 25 that there's this blindness on them in part until the fullness of the gentiles comes in so um i don't know that's a good question uh i i have a hard time believing somebody can be given over to anti-semitism and yet deny or you know deny the jewish master that they serve now they say they serve and the jewish apostles and the jewish scripture um and so one of the big lies that replacement theology is promoted these days is the um kind of the dismissal that the jews that are there now in israel are not real jews you know so there is a huge segment of the church that believes that um well christendom right i'm not going to say that born again church but um there's a large many large christian denominations that promote this in the form of um replacement theology supersessionism kingdom now theology or dominionism or or they kind of blur even reformed theology is is guilty of this of blurring the lines between the church and israel um diminishing israel uh, their significance in the prophetic uh, scripture. So I think it's going to be a, a rude wake-up call for them when they, if they are born again and they have to stand before Christ. We'll give an account for that. So,
0: Here's an interesting question. It says, if the 69 weeks was a period of 173,880 days from the going forth of a decree, why can't we prove this? Um, well, to me, I'm not aware that it hasn't been proved. Um, I've always, I mean, I think the argument that the decree was the decree in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, which was either 445 BC or 444 BC, depending up, you know, and that the 445 lines up with 32 AD. Uh, the 444 BC lines up with 33 AD. Uh, I think that's if it's not exact, it's 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 close enough for horseshoes and hand grenades, and it takes us up to the time of the triumphant entry of Christ, no matter which uh, year you go with. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's allegorical, and I think it's it's base I mean, if we're going to really stick with literally what the scripture says, uh, there you can't go with the earlier decrees. Which dealt with the temple, you have to go with the decree to re- re- restore and rebuild Jerusalem, which came out in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes. Um, the the uh, next part of my
1: two.
0: Yep, yep. And the next part of the question asked: Did Jesus reference this prophecy? And no, he didn't directly reference it, um, but he didn't need to. It's it was spoken of in Daniel, and so to. Uh, to say that people should know the times they can read the clouds. How come they can't read the signs of the times? He, he is alluding to this prophecy in Daniel and other prophecies.
1: Amen.
0: Do you have any thoughts you wanted to add to that, Pete?
1: No, I, I guess I didn't really understand. They are saying that we couldn't know specifically. The the, the, the one hundred seventy three thousand eight hundred eighty days.
0: Yeah, and I think it. I mean, it, if you measure it and it fits, it has to be right. I mean, the only decree that we have to select from where it was actually concerned the rebuilding of Jerusalem was the one in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes. The other earlier decrees that people yeah. measure from all dealt with the temple. Um, yeah. So if we're going to yeah. be specific, if we're going to be literal, we have to. We're, we're limited to that twentieth year of Artaxerxes Decree. Um, And then if we take the 360 days instead of 365 and a quarter days for the year, and we do that because in the book of Revelation, uh, the 70th week is 360 day years. That's why people count 173,880 days. So they take what they see in the 70th week, and they take that and they count back for the first 69 weeks, and when you count that from the 20th year of Artaxerxes, you count those days forwards. Then, and when you count them forwards, you go from 1 BC to 1 AD. There is no year zero. Um, and and then that brings you to the to the the uh, spring, or, or or to the the triumphant entry in the spring of 32 AD or the 33 AD. So I, I guess in my mind, it's proved and there isn't a question. The only question is, which date do we go with?
1: Well, Jesus said, you know, I think if I'm quoting the exact passage, it's in Luke 19, uh, 40, either 43 or 44. He, but when he was lamenting over Jerusalem, he said, if you'd have known this was your day, you know, the yeah, day of the right. from entry. And we don't know specifically when Jesus was born. I mean, there's debate on the exact year that he was born, whether it was 4 BC, 5 BC, 6 BC. We know it's somewhere in that time frame. That also ties in with when exactly he was crucified, because there's debate amongst many between the years of 30 AD and 33 AD, somewhere yep. in there. Um, and, and then you know, we're also working through three different calendars you have the Hebrew calendar, you've got the Julian calendar, and the Gregorian calendar. Plus, we're 2000 years removed um, it, you know, I, I think Sir Robert Anderson and guys like that, that, that sat down and did the math on this uh, without computers, without uh, calculators, uh, just going through the, the history, the genealogies and, and the time. Um, I think, well, I think we're pretty close and 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 um. so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. I don't really understand, I guess, the, the contention of it. the question, I guess. So I'm not sure, but we know we're close. That's and, right. Um...
0: And personally, I would love if the 30 AD cross theory was correct. I'd be absolutely ecstatic about that because that would seem to lock it for a rapture this year. And we would be, I mean we're just inches away. If that's true. Uh, I'm not convinced of that. totally
1: go off my diet. <laughs> yep.
0: yeah, Yep. yep. <laughs> Let's bring on the chocolate and ice cream. I don't got to worry about my health anymore, but anyway, yeah. um, next question. How did Elijah know the day that he was going to be raptured?
1: Uh, I'm pretty sure God told him, <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, And it's uh, maybe, maybe I don't know that he knew the day necessarily, or if he knew the conditions, uh, uh, what was going to happen. And um, I don't know. I don't know. But the cool thing is, is that that Elisha gets to see it and Elisha gets to be there when it happens. So uh, that leads some to speculate that he was going. What's that?
0: The school of the prophets told elisha that they knew he his master was going to go up
1: so yeah, they knew yeah so they there seems to be some if, if things hold true there might be this idea that that people will see us being raptured they'll, they'll see us being transformed into our glorified bodies and then they'll see us go up it won't be like we just disappeared so there's that thought too so
0: yeah um, there, i mean there's glorified. that possibility if they actually got five seconds or a couple minutes before we went up, or if the yeah. the um, ones that came up out of the grave and got their glorified bodies were walking around for a couple minutes before they went up. Okay, what percentage of people are going to die during the tribulation?
1: Um, well, we have a quarter of the world's population in the sealed judgments. So, and then we have a third that dies during the trumpet judgments. And then we don't know about the seven thunders, but presumably if those are judgments and those will have a certain percentage that dies. And then I'm not sure on the bowl judgments. I don't know if there's a percentage given during the bowl judgments, but you think about these judgments, the seals, the trumpets and the bowls, they're all compounding on top of each other. Hmm um so if you have eight billion let's just say it happens tomorrow if you have eight billion people and a quarter of that is that dies that leaves you with six billion so then if you take a third of six billion that's another two billion that dies so now by the time of the the end of the trumpet judgments you're down to what four billion people so then you still have the seven thunders whatever those end up becoming and then you have the bowl judgments which are the, the most severe judgments of all so and then you have those that die immediately after the rapture due to crashes, uh, war, violence, crime, etc., lawlessness. And um, I mean- Dog and Magog war. Yeah. It's going to be, humanity is going to be on the struggle bus when they get down to the end of the bull judgments in terms of yeah. numbers.
0: Do you have an opinion of how long we have until the rapture?
1: Yeah, yeah. Of course I do. <laughs> this, I mean, this is my opinion. I, I don't, I mean, I think we're in about a four year window right now. Just yep. what I've talked about. And I've held the same view since 2009 time frame. you know? And what's shocking to me, it's, you know, so my, my, my view on when I thought the raptures, I thought it would be in the mid twenties. It's not that I'm shocked uh, about anything in particular it's just the fact that we're here right. we're already in this point so i remember coming to this understanding back in the you know 2009 time frame thinking about 2020 and the, the 20s being so far away and now we're here you know <laughs> now we're you know almost to the middle point of the 2020s and it's like wow i can't believe we're here you know like uh it, it seems unreal but you know i've held this view pretty consistently for 15 years now or so.
0: Yep. And my favorite rapture year from the time I first thought about the rapture window, which was in the early nineties, uh, has been 2025. Um, 2024 is a very good year. Um, I'm not, I'm not, uh, if I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet on 2023, but if the folks that think that the ad 30 is the right cross date if they're right uh then their rapture date's probably going to be right too um but i would put my money on 2025 but uh folks don't 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 um don't set your heart on any rapture date not this year not 2024 not 2025 these are just our opinions uh set your heart on the simple fact the lord's coming back if there's something in the equation, now the equation's right. The equation is not wrong. There's no doubt about it. But we could have missed something. And, and we, we could be off a couple of years, one direction or the other. And and folks, if 2025 comes and goes and we haven't gone up yet, uh, I'm, my hope is not going to be rattled one iota. Not one iota. Because we're going to be so far along in the stage setting, I'm going to be jumping up and down with excitement. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that when the dead rise first, that it will leave a visible sign for those left behind? Um, And then he's asking about, like, disturbed soil or overturned tombstones.
1: Sure. Yeah, I don't see any issue with that. Well, um, it does say Matthew I
0: think... did. Dead come oh. out of their graves. hmm Do you think God will call the American Jewish people back to Israel after the rapture?
1: I, uh, do I think that, that God will call the Jewish people back to Israel after the rapture? Um, I think he's yeah, calling them back I, already. <laughs> yeah. I think I think there's a drive for people to go back, but... I, I think after the rapture, I mean, the world's gonna be very chaotic. I oh mean, yeah. I can see the airspace being closed. Uh but there I think that there will be uh, uh more migration of Jews back to uh to Israel. Um and however that happens, but yeah.
0: Do you what do you feel about a single female witnessing to others, not pastoring, just witnessing?
1: I don't have any issue with it. Yeah,
0: I mean, zero. It, it depends on
1: the context. Yeah, yeah. like if I, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't see any issue. Sharing the gospel now, I mean, preferably you'd like to go out in pairs, but that would be two men, two women, however, you know, so.
0: Okay, Deuteronomy 24.5, when a man takes a wife, he will not go into battle for a year. Things are so evil now, thinking the gap may only be a year before Jesus goes to war, opening the seals. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've I heard about that concept before, uh, tying that in uh, with the, the newly married church, but that... Um, that that may well be the case that that's a, a good idea for the one for a for a year give or take a little bit between the rapture and the 70th week i just haven't put enough thought into that one
1: yeah i don't i don't think there's any way we can know exactly how long it'll be but the only reason i've ever held to any kind of a gap is just being in the military and understanding how you know we always look at an event and we plan backwards from that event So if you have a covenant that's confirmed in Israel that starts the seventieth week, the there has to be some lead up to that um, that requires that to be a thing. You know, it requires that to be necessary. And what seems to make sense in my mind is that there's a Gog and Magog battle that uh, sets the world on edge, but it also creates a vacuum between Russia and its forces, and then. Russia would not invade unless the United States was not in the picture, you know, because we've been her benefactor now for 75 years, more or less, you know? And so there seems to be like, a, if you look from the, the event itself and kind of go backwards, there seems to be a ecological chain of events that happen and those things all have time built into them. So, you know, a year, year and a half, I mean, it could be six months, we don't know, but um, these things, you know, rapture is not going to happen on one day and then the next day uh, there's going to be this new the beast kingdom already established you know we right. already start seeing that now now we are seeing the foundation for it being built now and the infrastructure being built for it now but we're not seeing the system itself you know just a light switch away from coming into power i mean there's a lot of things that are going to have to happen between now and then
0: Okay, here's another question. There's one Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and another um, are Gog and Magog in uh, Revelation 20. What's the relationship between these two?
1: Well, the one in Ezekiel 38 is is specifically listing nations. And then the one in um, Revelation 20 seems at the end of the kingdom. Age is is is, it's it's in the same vein, the same spirit as they. the The forces will be seemingly so overwhelming. I think that's that's the only semblance to it. But it'll I think it'll come from all all corners of the world at that point.
0: Yep, one's before the thousand years, and one is after. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm not sure what this question says. In a perfect world, how would you see AI actually serving the dowsing of the gospel? I think they're talking about serving the spreading of the gospel. But, um, yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, in eternity, AI is going to be a cool tool to use. But... Uh, down here, there's nothing cool about AI at all. It's absolutely terrifying.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I think if if I think maybe it's asking how it could be used to spread the gospel. Yeah, I, I kind
0: of thought that's where it was going. Um, it could be used yeah. to translate the gospel into every language on the planet maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. every dialect, uh, um, I mean, it, it it could have been used to great effect, um, but we know that Satan is currently controlling this world and he would never let that happen, so he's immediately corrupting it. And mm-hmm. I think it corrupts all technologies, so it's not just AI, mm-hmm. but everything. So, I mean, the television, you know, movies, Hollywood, um, music, books, all of that could have been used for the spreading of the gospel and the promotion of God and Jesus Christ, but look how it's all been just corrupted to what it is today. Um, We had so many tools given to us, but um, Satan is strangled at every turn. So that's why I think like social media, what we're on right now, what we're doing right now, there is this open door that's mentioned to the church in Philadelphia that Christ says he has the keys and no man can shut. And I think that we're in this small window of time where we're talking now about the Bible and the things of God. And there's people on this chat that are all over the world from you know Canada, South Africa, UK, Australia, the Philippines and other places that um you know Satan would love to shut this down. And he's trying to do that and then in, in, in the present but he's being withheld for for various reasons and for various purposes by the restrainer who's not able to completely shut this this door but it's going to remain open until God shuts it it's like the ark
0: <laughs> amen here's the question when Jesus returns with the church at the second coming uh, at Armageddon will the female Saints, be coming with him to fight as well as the men?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: Absolutely. I've never not thought that. <laughs> yeah, neither I. I. Um, once we're in the resurrection, uh, there we're past the, uh, the typology that the male and the female present. Um, we're past that stage. The typology is now history, and there is no male or female in Christ. We are all one. Well, we've already answered the central bank digital currency question. Someone asked if we think it's going to be functional before the rapture. It could be functional before the rapture, but I suspect uh, that we're going to go up before it's uh, the official currency of America and the end of paper money. Can't guarantee it, but that's my opinion. One, we got two more questions here. Should we expect to see miracles in the last days?
1: Yes, I do.
0: Yep, I I qualify that a little bit myself. Um, I think there's going to be wholesale miracles in the seventieth week, just like we had at Pentecost in the in maybe a decade or so afterwards. In our current age, we don't have the we don't have wholesale miracles, but there is answer to prayer. God works powerfully and miraculously and supernaturally on a regular basis for His people. Um, we don't see much in the lines of people that are paralyzed being healed, or people that are dead being raised from the dead. But we see a lot of providential miracles. We see a lot of people healed uh in answer to prayer uh people have been healed of cancer there's a lot of amazing things that we have seen in answer to prayer
1: yeah yeah i I think just in kind of piggybacking on that is um i think as uh satan is wrapping ramping up his uh campaign to throttle the gospel uh, around the world, we're seeing in places like the Middle East and other places where the gospel has been completely, you know, um, blacklisted and shut down in terms of traditional means—churches, television, radio, things like that—that that you hear stories all the time of, of a Muslim guy dreaming about Jesus and then becoming Amen. a Christian, or you know, in, in places in communist China and others where there's miraculous things going on. They don't make the news and we don't we aren't really privy to that 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 knowledge but i believe it happens and as the devil ramps up his efforts that's met in equal force by by god and his holy angels um but you're right i think that in the current age that we live in the natural is the normal but immediately after the rapture the the world's going to move right into the supernatural again and uh, that will become the new normal and that's where these signs and wonders and very public and visible things are gonna be taking place like, with the two witnesses, you know, being able to call down uh, or shoot fire out of their mouths or call down fire from heaven or stop the rain or, or do these other things, these other miraculous things. That'll be very undeniable. And uh, not only that, but after the rapture, you're gonna probably have some type of global distraction in the form of UFOs or something to, to distract people from the reality of what just took place, that being the rapture of the church. So hmm. um, I, I do think, I think miracles happen all the time. I think that uh, we are probably not privy to a lot of them because they do not get any kind of exposure and Satan has been very effective in shutting those things down. That that speaks to the power of prayer is what I'm talking about. And, uh, and in places where the church is really impoverished and under assault physically, I think that there was a lot of things going on that we just aren't privy to that we will know later. Um, But um, but yeah, so it just, and you know, and I bring this example up and I've used this uh, thing with this demonic voice on my computer. I've used that to share the gospel with people and talking with people that don't believe in the spiritual. I said, well, listen to this, look at this, you know, clearly there are evil forces that are at work, you know, against us there are also holy and good forces that are working on our behalf and i said you know my i haven't had any issues in my room since i, I pled the blood of christ over praise the so, lord um that's had the power of the name of jesus and um and I, I just use that i use whatever i can to share the gospel with people so
0: all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto him Okay, here's another question. Any thought what the Old Testament saints might think of the kingdom? Uh I, I think they're asking, are they going to be surprised by how beautiful and how wonderful it is?
1: Yeah. Uh I, I, you know, I don't it's it's kind of a it's fascinating to me what those uh old testament saints, if they're able to watch, have watched everything. Um in the heavenly, since you know, we've the world's moved on and we've been in, you know, in the world now for another two thousand years beyond their time, what they think of everything or what they know, you know. Um, but I think that the old testament saints are it's gonna be vindication for the righteousness that they adhere to in their lifetimes to be able to, to <laughs> to have the kingdom that God promised and to realize God keeps his promises to them, the world is going to be exceedingly beautiful at that point. I know for myself, its
0: I have a pretty vivid imagination, as some of you have probably heard in some of my messages, about what how beautiful I think the kingdom is going to be, not only on this earth, but on other habitable planets and on the terraforming that we're going to do on some planets. And it's going to be beautiful. Our colonies on other planets and moons are going to be great. But I I know that for all my imagination, I'm going to be wowed beyond imagination when I first walk the streets of the New Jerusalem. I am going to be wowed beyond my imagination when I see Israel the first day of the kingdom after uh, we've uh, removed the ungodly from the planet and the kingdom has been restored. I'll be wowed by everything, all of the beauty in creation. I'll be wowed by the harmony. I'm going to be wowed by the restitution of all things, including the dinosaurs and the um, plants and animals that have gone extinct. Um, There will be a restitution of everything, and it's going to be glorious. And I think every believer is going to have his breath taken away.
1: Amen. Yeah, that's we don't even... We can't even under We can't even begin to understand. Uh, I think C.S. Lewis had a quote, um, and I'm completely paraphrasing this, but you know, we, we've kind of settled for playing in the puddle, you know, playing in the puddles when the beach and the beautiful ocean is like right over there. You know, we've settled for just playing in a puddle because that's what this world is right now. Hmm. Uh, we didn't, we can't even imagine the grandeur and the glory of a restored earth under direct cro- control of Christ. Himself, where there will be p- perfect peace and perfect harmony with nature, and th- that every nation there won't be multiple religions, oh, there will just be one. There'll be the worship of Christ.
0: We're going to be hard like, the pressed by the
1: saints. Good,
0: uh, we're going to be hard pressed to find things to argue about. I mean, can you imagine arguing over whether Roma tomatoes <laughs> or some other kind of tomatoes make the best tomato paste for pizza? I mean, can you imagine yeah. arguing <laughs> over whether choke cherry syrup? Or maple syrup or honey is better on pancakes. I mean, that's what we're going to be left to argue over.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Need some good times.
0: Sure is. Well, we're done with the questions, folks. Um, I appreciate the questions. I appreciate the hard work from the moderators. Pete, I I appreciate the fact that you uh, come and gave us uh, two and a half hours of your time tonight. Um, It's been a great blessing. uh, folks, just keep looking up. Uh, keep pressing on. Stay in the Word. Stay in prayer. Stay in fellowship. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You got any closing words for us, Pete?
1: Yeah, just as 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 times get hard, and and we all are going through difficult in our own personal problems and issues, whether it's ourselves or with family members or lost loved ones or um, children. Maybe it's a job issue or a health issue. Um, just realize that that we have so little time left, and that this, the problems of here and now will not compare to the glory that's just ahead for us. So, keep looking up, keep your focus on Christ. Um, we don't know exactly when He's going to return, but we know it's soon. And we you know I think we've done a reasonable job tonight at presenting some of the the facts on the ground, so to speak. So. Uh, keep your hope and faith in Christ, uh, encourage each other, love each other, and uh, be busy about the Lord's work.
0: Amen. Well, Pete, why don't you close us with a brief pl- prayer, and then I'm going to end the stream.
1: Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, we thank you for the time uh, and the life that you've given each of us, uh, the opportunities that you've given us, and the gifts and the talents that you've given each of us, Lord. We thank you for um, the opportunity to gather here tonight in a non-traditional uh, gathering of believers, but uh, you foresaw this millennia ago and eternity ago, and you've allowed for this time for us to meet in this way and to, to encourage each other, and to lift each other up and to um, help keep our grips loosened on the things of this world and our eyes focused on you. And we just uh, thank you for Lee, Thank you for the fellow watchmen out there and watchwomen who are um, being faithful to the calling that you've given them. Pray, Father, that you would strengthen us and, and encourage us daily as we go forward and we look forward to your soon return. And it's in the name of your uh, holy son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, I'm going to end the stream here.